The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Frank speaking from the V Brownback crew. And today is March 8th. And with me, I have Andrea Florio, who will be covering Objective 3 of the CCNA Data Center uh, curriculum for us. Um, he's a CCIE himself um, and works as a senior network architect for AT&T. So plenty of networking experience there. And welcome, Andrea. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. It's the first, uh, it's the first time with the uh, V-Brown bag, so I hope not to disappoint anyone today. Ah, that that'll be fine. I'd I'd say, if you have any questions in the audience, um, simply either raise your hand or um, use the hashtag vbrownback on Twitter, or post the questions in the chat, and we'll get to those then. And with that, I think you can start, Andrea. Okay. So uh, again, hello everyone, and uh, and welcome. Uh, today we will be talking about uh, uh, IP. Every uh, try to explain what the difference between a private and a public IP address is, uh, and uh, we will focus later on on the difference between uh, IPv4 and IPv6. Uh, for the CCNA data center, uh, we will touch uh, several different uh, aspects. Uh, but we'll, of course, uh, uh, make sure to get uh, in-depth just as much uh, as you need for, uh, for your exam. So don't expect any crazy bit or uh, anything like that. Uh, so as, uh, as a start, I want to make sure that everyone is uh, uh, on the same page, that everyone understands what, uh, uh, what we are talking about. So when we talk about IP, we are obviously talking about uh, uh, layer 3 protocol. Uh, if we look at the uh, OSI model, uh, which is uh, responsible to transport uh, uh, data uh, across uh, different networks. The IP is uh, a connectionless protocol. What that means is that IP itself doesn't care to create uh, a state between uh, a source and the destination. You just send packet on the wires. IP will just take care of uh, making that packet arrive to the destination, but he doesn't care if that packet actually really gets there or if, if it gets there, the packet has some issues and the, and the final uh, uh, receiver needs uh, to retransmit. Um, so what we are looking here? We are looking at uh, uh, a design which uses an hierarchical addressing. Uh, we will focus a bit more on this uh, uh, later on. But the idea is that we have uh, a tree structure out of which we can extrapolate different addresses. Uh, as we said before, uh, we have best effort service, meaning that there is no guarantee whatsoever that the uh, data is going to reach the final, uh, the final destination. Uh, also, uh, as, uh, um, as I try to anticipate, there is no data recovery feature which is built uh, into IP. If a packet needs to be retransmit, the end host will have to require this packet to the, to the source. Uh, different thing happens, for example, with upper layer protocols like, I don't know, TCP, just to give, uh, to give you a name. Uh, all right. So 
When we talk about IP, uh, we always have to uh, make sure we uh, we understand which version of the protocol we are uh, we are talking about. We will start with IPv4, which is the oldest uh, IP protocol uh, and the one that everyone is it's actually familiar with. Um, every device which is on the network will always have uh, a single IP address assigned on his NIC card, his network interface card. That IP address it's used to identify the host in the network and only one host can have that particular IP address. That means that uh, you are sure that your address is unique and you are the only one which has that address. If there are duplicates, there are conflicts and you will have problems in your network. So it's really important that the IP address is unique in the, uh, in the network which is being used. Uh, from uh, from a structure point of view, the IP, the IP address is 32-bit long. Uh, what that means is that there are 32 0 and 1s, uh, one after the other. That is the binary notation, so nothing else than a 0 or than a 1 can actually exist. Uh, what we have here on the, on the slide is, uh, is an actual example of, uh, of an IP address, and as you can see, every 32-bit uh, string, it's divided in uh, octets. So that means uh, eight bits altogether are considered an octet, and they are divided by a dot, uh, which is the standard uh, uh, symbol to, uh, to make this differentiation. Uh, the dot is going to be useful uh, later when we try to think uh, like humans, uh, basically, because the dot will give us uh, the limit where uh, uh, which we will use to translate a binary IP address into a decimal uh, format IP address. It's really difficult for everyone to actually read that number one zero sorry one one zero 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 dot one zero. It's it's really long. It's really difficult, hard to remember. So how do we like to think? We like our numbers zero to ten and and keep going. It's a decimal notation. So what we do? We take that octet we translate it from binary to decimal, and what we obtain, like in this example on the slide, is 192.168.0.1. That is an IP address which everyone remembers, and I bet everyone uses at least once in their life. Um, the IP addresses uh, are, uh, um, have been designed to belong to five different uh, classes, five different groupings of IP addresses. If you uh, remember what we said, we have 32 bits, so that means that we have uh, all possible permutations of zero and ones within the, those 32 bits that will give us all possible IP addresses which, uh, uh, which we can create. Uh, what uh, uh, was used to create the different classes was based on the first four bits in the first octet. What that means is uh, is that uh, we take the first octet, take the, four, the first four bits, and based on that value, which is uh, uh, on those bits, then you will have an IP address which will belong to one of those five classes. Those first bits are also called significant bits. Remember this term because it will also be used for uh, IPv6 addresses. Uh, okay, so if we look uh, at those uh, significant bits, 
uh, we can start from class A, which is the first, uh, the first class, which ha must have the first bit set to zero. We don't care about anything else coming after that, but the first bit must be set to zero. So if that is the case, every uh, IP address which starts either with a zero or any number between a zero and 127 will be a class A IP address. So when we say, for example, uh, 10.0.0.1, that is obviously a class A IP address. So from a decimal standpoint, any number between 0 and 127 included. It's a class A. For a class B, the first bit must be 1, and the second bit must be 0. Now, if you uh, think about just putting a 1 in front of the 0, this concept will be followed also for the next, uh, for the next classes. So when we have a 1 and a 0 uh, fixed values, that means that we are going to have any decimal number between 128 and 191 included. So something like 172.16, whatever you want, it's obviously a class B IP address because the first number, the first octet, belongs in this range. The additional three classes are class C, and again, just stick a one in front of what you previously had. So now we have the first three bits that must be one, one, zero, and that translates to a decimal value of 192 to 223. Again, this is an easy uh, range to remember. We always use the NAP address within this range, very likely in our, in our houses. Uh, in, uh, Class D, again, same concept, stick a one in front of it, and now we are going to have every IP address which has a binary format of 1110 will be part of a class D IP address. The, what that means is that the range is between 224 and 239. Uh, finally, the class E, that is, uh, let's, let's say, the only exception, all four bits all first four bits must be equal to 1. And what we will obtain is a decimal value that goes from 240 to 255. Now, not all, uh, not all those IP addresses uh, can actually be used. Uh, in particular, uh, the way those IP addresses have been, um, have been allocated uh, requires class A, class B, and class C to be used for unicast traffic. That means one-to-one -one traffic uh, between different hosts. Class D is reserved instead for multicast traffic, and what that means is that there is a single source and a specific set of recipient which will receive uh, that traffic. Uh, class E, instead, is not used uh, uh, in uh, anywhere in the world other than experimental purposes, uh, software development, and lab testing. So it's, an, it's a range which is, which is not allowed for regular usage. Uh, in addition, within the uh, class A range, we have uh, every IP address which starts with uh, 127 
and that uh, uh, that range is reserved for loopbacks. You probably know 127.0.0.1, right? So that uh, is a typical loopback. So everything inside that uh, 127 range is reserved, and this and this is for loopback. It's uh, a non-optimal uh, allocation because usually we only use one single loopback on uh, on the end host, but the entire range is allocated, and there is nothing really we can do over there. And finally, the third, sorry, the last reservation which is made, it's uh, every IP address which starts with 169.254. Everything which starts like this, it's considered to be an automatic private IP address. Now, what that means is that some operating systems, in particularly Microsoft, when they turn on and their interface is connected to the network, if they do not receive a DHCP uh, IP address, what they will do is that they will simply take a random IP address from that range and allow local communication between, uh, between the subnet. No router is required. The, uh, the host will just pick an IP address and talk within uh, the, local, the local network. Uh, I hope I'm not running too fast, so if you have any question, don't be afraid, uh, speak up, and, uh, and don't worry. So, so, so really essentially for especially CCNA purposes, which is an entry-level exam, what would be your recommendation to, to know about this? Um, I, I think the multicast is something that's more on, on the advanced side of things, right? That's correct. What The only thing that I will be looking for at the CCNA level is to know uh, that uh, the ranges of class A, and, uh, sorry, class A, B, and C, and know that that is the actual IP address we can assign to, to an end host. And then that the other classes are reserved for other, for other purposes, but we don't really care uh, about uh, what the range is or how multicast work or anything like that. So absolutely, that is what I will be looking for. Know that uh, class A and B and C are used for unicast for actual IP assigned on the physical host, and everything else is reserved and cannot be used. Okay, so uh, let's try to go a bit uh, forward then. Uh, so. The most important thing about an IP address is that the address itself not only is able to identify where an, uh, identify the host, but is also able to identify in which network that host belongs. Now, the number on itself doesn't say anything about either one of those parts. In order to be able to uh, identify what part of an IP address represents the network and what part of the IP address represents the host, we will need something called uh, a subnet mask. We will go a bit uh, more in detail about this in the next slide, but a subnet mask will basically tell us, okay, of this IP address, the first, uh, I don't know, 8, 16, 24 bits represents your network and whatever is left represents the uh, the host. 
So why it's, uh, uh, is an IP address then considered hierarchical? Simply because every host which belongs to the same network will always have the network part of its IP address identical. So if you imagine your, uh, your house and you are using 192.168.0.1 IP address on your, on your router, all IP address in your network will likely have 192.168.0 identical and then the last will be .2, .3, and so on and so forth. So the same way your, uh, your address for your house works. So uh, my street, it's called uh, Grohova. Everyone in this street has the same address. It's Grohova. And then my house, it's number, I don't know, 12. And somebody else might have number 20. So as long as we belong to the same network, we always have the network part which is identical between all of us. Uh, and also the other important thing is that every host which belongs to the same common network never requires a router for communication. The only time a router is required is when we have to communicate between two different networks. And we will need, of course, at least one router based on, uh, on how far those networks are. So let's try to give uh, a deeper look then on what this subnet mask is and how it tells us uh, what is the network and what is the host. If we consider a subnet mask defined as slash 16, that is a notation which is really helpful when we talk about bits. That means that the first 16 bits are the network part and the other 16 bits represent the host. Uh, this uh, uh, subnet mask slash 16, it's also the default subnet mask used for every class B IP address. And in decimal, it's translated as 255.255.0.0. So again, if we are looking at an IP address like uh, 172.16.0.1 because that is a class B IP address by default we'll have a slash 16 sublet mask therefore 172.16 will represent the actual network and 0.1 will represent the host okay um, now, uh, regarding the other three classes, uh, A, B, and C, they are really simple to remember because they have an incremental subnet mask. Uh, for class A, it's 255.0.0.0, also can be written as slash 8. Class B is going to be 255.255.0.0.0. And that is a slash 16. Class C is 255.255.255.0, which is a slash 24 subnet mask. Um, the interesting thing is obviously that uh, given the leftovers of bits, so the host parts, that, uh, that amount of bits will tell us how many possible hosts 
exist in that uh, uh, in that network. That it's based on a power of two, where you basically have two at the power of how many available bits are left. So for a class C, you have only the last octet which can be used for host. So you have two at the power of uh, eight, which is 256 possible values. You will then have to remove always two, so only 254 uh, unique IP addresses can be used within a class C network. Same logic goes for a class B, same logic applies for a class A. So what you can see is that the original design had in mind to give uh, or to assign a class C network to small, uh, um, to small networks, to small entities, uh, a class B to a medium network, and a class A to a really, really big uh, network. There are a lot of problems with this, uh, with this logic, and this is why the default subnet mask is not really used nowadays, but this was the original uh, design in, uh, in the past. What is used right now is a classless notation, where basically the class doesn't really tell you anything anymore, uh, because the default subnet mask doesn't apply, and instead the, a variable length subnet mask can be used. So I can take a class A IP address and assign it any subnet mask I want. I will obtain a valid, a valid network. Um, is everything clear until now? So from, from your own experience um, as, as a network architect, um, what's kind of the biggest network subnet mask you would recommend to go to? Is it just the slash eight class A networking mask? If you're talking Absolutely not, it's too big. Uh, it's not a network I will ever use. Generally, we are using a slash 24 or smaller when we don't, uh, exactly because we don't use classful anymore, but a slash 24, it's usually a reasonable amount, uh, reasonable subnet. I saw a couple of times something bigger than that, but it was always an uh, an exception. Uh, the biggest issue on having a big network is uh, uh, is related to broadcast and the amount of of noise which is generated on that network by all this traffic, which is not filtered by uh, by a router. Perfect, thank you. Okay then, so let's, let's try to move on. This is uh, a representation of how uh, a, a class A IP address uh, will be split when we apply uh, a standard uh, subnet mask. The same goes for class B and the same goes for class C. So class A uh, slash eight subnet mask that means the first eight bits represents the network, and the next 24 represents the host. Class B slash 16. First 16 bits are for the network, and the rest is for the host. And class C, again, same logic. First 24 bits are for the network, and what is left over it's, uh, uh, are just eight bits, and that is, uh, uh, is the host part. Okay. 
So now that we have an idea of what uh, uh, an IP address looks like and what it actually does, let's try to understand what private and public actually mean. Um, when we are looking at public IP addresses, we are looking at IP addresses which uh, uh, an enterprise, a company, it's actually going to purchase from a central registry uh, in his uh, uh, in his region. So, I, so IP addresses are basically owned globally by an uh, an entity, and that entity delegates to minor continental entity uh, groups of IP addresses, which can reach you as the final customer. So, for example, in uh, in Europe, uh, if I remember the name correctly, it should be RIPE. And every time a customer goes uh, requires an IP address, they need to go to that entity, pay a fee, and basically rent that IP address. Uh, that IP address is now unique in the world and can be used across the internet uh, to reach whatever server or whatever host that IP address will be uh, applied to. Uh, it's, of course, unfeasible for every one of us to actually go and pay for a public IP address. Plus, because of a bad historical allocation of the classes, there are no enough public IP addresses to serve everyone. Uh, for this reason, we use also private IP addresses, and those are IP addresses which everyone can use freely without uh, requesting any permission, and therefore, because of this freedom, they will overlap between different customers. So, as I said before, I'm using 192.168 in my house. I expect somebody else is doing the same in its own house. Is that a problem? No, because that IP address is private, and it's supposed to exist only within that local network. It will never be allowed to go in the internet, and the uh, service provider will always filter those IP addresses when you, uh, when you try to announce them into the rest of the world. So if you try to say to your service provider, hey, if you want to go to 192.168, come to my house, your service provider is going to filter that information and make sure that nothing gets leaked into the internet. So what are those private IP addresses then? Uh, they are defined by a standard called RFC uh, 1918. Uh, this standard defines, as we said before, that those IP addresses must be used only for internal organization and never be allowed inside uh, the Internet. And it also defines some ranges of, uh, of IP addresses. Now, every class is going to have... Uh, a specific range which can be used, and uh, you can see the ranges on uh, on the screen right now. In particularly, class A has everything which goes from 10, 0, 0, 0, through 10 to 55, to 55, to 55, and so on and so forth. You can actually read the, uh, read the numbers. What might be much easier for you to remember, because those numbers uh, might actually get missed, it's just using a subnet mask notification. 
So when we talk about class A, we are looking at 10.0.0.0 slash 8. So let me actually take this in, uh, in a notepad because that would be easier to, to read. Okay, so if you can see those uh, numbers now on, uh, on my screen, the first one is for class A, which is 10.0.0.0 slash 8. Why slash 8? Because slash 8 is telling me the first 8 bits cannot be touched. Everything else, do what you want. Then we go for class B. We have then uh, 172.16.0.0. You can already see that this subnet mask is obviously not, uh, uh, not a standard for class B. We would expect a slash 16. But what this is causing is that now I can use only up to 172.13. And finally, a class C, it's 192.168.00 with the slash 16 subnet mask. Again, this is a non-standard class C subnet mask, but it only used to identify a range of available IP addresses. For an exam, what do you need to remember? I will say that those three lines are, uh, are enough. Uh, if you can do your binary uh, uh, math, you should be able to figure it out all those ranges just by remember, uh, by trying to remember those, uh, uh, those three values. If right. not, you will need to get those numbers in your head because they are really, really important. And I can tell you, asking uh, if an IP address is private or public, it's an interview question I have heard many times in my career. Yeah, and especially those questions um, on the exam, they, they are easy points, right? Um, it's it's mm -hmm. either some <clears throat> something you learn by heart, um, which might get you through the CCNA, um, but if, if you really practice the, this, and there's several methods. Um, some prefer the binaries. Um, I, I actually used a different method on my exams. Um, Todd Lamler has a very good method uh, that makes it very easy. Um, your, your target should be to answer these type of questions um, within 10 to 30 seconds, um, usually for subnetting, at, at least if it's basic subnetting like um, being given uh, an IP range and a subnet mask to define how many hosts, how many subnets, etc. Um, th this is crucial knowledge for the um, CCNA part. Expect a lot of questions on that. Absolutely. And uh, again, something like what is the, the private range of IP addresses for IPv4, it's a question that you will see everywhere, not only in the exam, but really also if you're looking for a job, they will ask you, is 172.32 private or public? Then if you don't remember that the range ends at 31, you might answer wrong. So these, those ranges, it's something you really need to stick in your mind. 
All right then, so uh, this is everything about the private IP addresses. Let's give a look to those global IP addresses. So we already spoke about them. We said they are globally uh, unique. So one IP address, it exists in one location in the entire world. There should never be a duplicate about this IP address. And this is why those IP addresses if you want to use them on the internet, must be purchased from these uh, uh, regional uh, uh, regional entities. Again, I can use in my lab any public IP address, but I will never, never be able to actually advertise that to a service provider and to have end-to-end -end reachability. And if your service provider doesn't notice it and allows you to do that, you will cause big troubles, okay? Um, so what is uh, a public IP address? It's everything which is not private. Don't bother about that. If belongs to the to the private range, it's private. If it doesn't belong there, it's public. Nothing more, nothing less, really. Okay. Uh, also, so this is all. Hmm? Sorry. Yeah. Also, um, be prepared that Cisco wants you to know that specific. RFC number. So don't be surprised if they're not asking you for private or public IP addresses, but are asking you uh, which uh, which IP address range belongs to the RFC 1980 space. Um, you you should have that mapping in your mind as well that this specific RFC is for the private IP address space. Correct, and likely is not uh, uh, is not a difficult number. Uh, Everyone with a bit of exercise should be able to remember that. All right, so regarding IPv4, this is uh, more or less uh, everything we need uh, to cover, everything we have in scope. So let's try to move to something which is actually, in my opinion, way more interesting because it's how the future is actually uh, being developed. Uh, actually is more a present than, uh, than a future, uh, finally. Uh, IPv6 is the next version of uh, the IP address. If you're wondering where is IPv5, well, that has been built in the labs, has been never released to public, so we just went over to, uh, to IPv6, uh, version 6, okay? So IPv6, the first things that tries to aim uh, and to solve is the limitation in how many IPs we actually have. With IPv4, we said that we have uh, only 32-bit long uh, IP addresses, and this gives us a limitation of, of having two at the power of 32 IP addresses. Plus, we have to remove all the reserve stuff. Uh, with IPv6, instead, we explode going from 32 to 128 is four times the length of a regular, uh, of, a, of not of a regular, of an IPv4 address. This will give us now two to the power of 128 possible IP addresses. This is a number so big that if you try to write it on your calculator, it will give you an error because it is not able to compute. There are so many IP addresses that every single person living on on, uh, on this planet will be able to get million and million of IP addresses uh, without any any conflict. 
because of this, because the uh, the number of bits is so massive, we have a problem if we will try to represent that number using uh, a decimal uh, notification uh, notation like we did uh, with APV4. We need to use something which uh, can scale a bit better. So we uh, we use an hexadecimal notification. What that means is that now we don't have only symbols from 0 to 9, but we also have additional symbols which are A, B, C, D, E, F. Uh, A obviously represents 10, B represents 11, and so on and so forth, until F which represents the uh, number 15, the 16th uh, digit in, in, the, uh, in the alphabet. Uh, this time we are not going to use a dot anymore to, uh, to separate the, uh, the digits, but we are going to separate uh, uh, every four hex characters with a double column. And uh, every hex character is translated from a four-bit uh, four uh, four group. Okay, so what that means is that now we have uh, for uh, every quad of, uh, uh, of characters, we have six, uh, 16 IP addresses in every group. Uh, an example is, for example, the IP address which you can see here on, uh, on the slide. And that's what it's the IP address which is assigned on, uh, on actually my router, uh, which is the one I will show you just, uh, just in a minute. Actually, you know what? Let me do this because this is when things become to be uh, to be interesting. So let's try. Let's do this. Okay, so this is my uh, my router. So if I try to look at the IP addresses which are assigned on my router, you can see. I think I used the B zero zero. Okay, so my bad that is not my router, I think it's my server. And that's correct. So you can see this IP address over here. This is an IP address which is assigned to one of, uh, 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 of, my, of my server. So that is an actually uh, a, a real IP address which is, uh, uh, which is in use. Uh, now, you probably saw a couple of commands which are interesting. We will uh, see them uh, uh, in a few slides. In particular, the second one, when we are talking about neighbors, it's, it's a concept which is really important for, uh, for APB6. So let's try to move forward then. Uh, we said, apologies. Uh, we said the, uh, that the IP address is now four times the size on uh, IPv4 address. But does it mean that IPv6 is just more complex than IPv4? Absolutely not. Even though the IP address is way, way bigger than an IPv4 address, IPv6 has been built with speed in mind and thinking how to allow hardware to basically forward traffic without much, uh, much thinking. Uh, what that means is that now the IP, uh, the IP header, even though it's longer because the IP address is obviously four times bigger, 
it's much less complex if, uh, if it's compared to an IPv4 address. A lot of fields have been removed, only the essential things have been left in place. That allows your routers to actually forward traffic much, much faster than they will do with an uh, IPv6, uh, sorry, with an IPv4 packet, okay? We are not going to spend uh, much more details on this unless you guys have a question uh, on, uh, on this topic, but the picture itself should already be self-explanatory. Yes, it's bigger, but you can see the complexity of the header, it's completely, completely reduced compared to an IPv4 address. So a lot of people are actually still resisting change to, to implement IPv6. Uh, and in your experience, um, what's, what's holding people off of going to IPv6? Because my perception is they just don't like those hex addresses. Um, many, many people I talk to have, have huge reservations talking hex because it's just something unfamiliar. But as, it, as you described, right, the, the actual protocol is pretty stable. It's uh, actually pretty old even. Um, but most people still use IPv4. What's, what's your take on why that is? As simple as nobody wants to break what is already working. So uh, you can implement IPv6 and IPv4 at the same time, but to be able to implement IPv6, there is work that needs to be done. And that work uh, seen from a company standpoint means money. And the company is not going to invest any money in something that is not going to return profit to that same company. So, for example, uh, when I was uh, recently to Cisco Live, we were listening to uh, a case study of uh, BMW, and they are leaders in IPv6 uh, uh, implementation simply because they need so many IP addresses on their cars. So they are going to, uh, uh, to sell millions and millions of cars. And all these cars now are smart cars. They need internet access. And none of this will be easily doable by using an IPv4 address. So companies see revenue, companies invest money, and, uh, and actually starts to deploy IPv6 addresses. But if you think about any other company, could be, I don't know, a bank or something like that, they don't see an actual economic return in the investment so they just tend to postpone uh, IPv6. Also because IPv4 at the end works, so there is no real need to replace it, not, uh, not immediately. I hope this clarifies the, the, the doubt. Yep, thank you. Now, whatever, whatever you do, every time you are working in this, uh, in this field, remember that money is what talks to the customer. Doesn't matter how smart of a technology you're going to deploy, doesn't matter uh, what crazy design you have, if the customer doesn't see money, they are not going to, uh, to do it. So we always have to remember this, uh, in, especially in the data center. This is a, a really, really uh, interesting topic in, uh, in the data center. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, let's keep talking about IPv6 uh, addresses. 
So as uh, uh, we just mentioned, yes, hex notification, so many characters are, uh, are difficult to handle, and human error, uh, human error is actually a real, a real issue. So when you start typing those IPv6 addresses, if you will do it uh, character by character, you are going to make a mistake. And I'm telling you, you are going to do it. Done in production, seen it many times. It happens. For this reason, a simplification must be done. Uh, and the way is done, it, especially in the way to type or to write down those uh, IP addresses, is by removing any redundant information which can be found. Uh, the first thing that we can do is that we can remove uh, every leading zero in each quote. So if we are looking at the uh, IP address here on the on the monitor, let's try to to actually color it to make it a bit easier to see. So if we are looking at this IP address here on the monitor, the 0001, that means we can remove all the leading zeros and only leave number one. Why? We will assume that as a standard, we will be able to do that without losing any information. Never zeros which come after an, a number, always and only the leading, uh, the leading zeros. The other thing we can do is by replacing consecutive zeros with a double column. But careful, you can do that only once in the IP address. So if you do it twice, you now have a problem because you don't know how many quads you are hiding. You can only do it once. Of course, it's up to you when you do it. But if you are smart, you will always replace the longest, uh, uh, the longest series of, uh, uh, of zeros. So let's try to look at an example here. If we have 2001, two colon, 0000, two colon, 000, blah, 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 blah. We can take all those quads which have four zeros and remove the first, the first leading bits. So it will become 2001, two colon, zeros, two colon, zero, two colon, zero, two colon, zero, two colon, one, two colon, zero, two colon, A, okay? So 001 has been reduced only to 1, 00A has been reduced only to A. Then we can apply the, uh, the, next, uh, the next step. We can use those four consecutive zeros, and we can replace that with the double column. So at the end, this extremely long uh, IP address has been replaced by just 2001, 2 colon 1, 2 colon 0, 2 colon A, and slash 64, which is, again, the subnet mask, same concept as, uh, uh, as before. Okay, so any question here? It's not complicated, but it needs uh, uh, to be understood. If you, if you write two columns twice, you are going to have a problem. Invalid IP address. You cannot type it into the router. It will give you an error. And if you write manually in your documentation, it will create an IP address which cannot be understood. It's not uh, um, identifiable. 
without without uh, without errors. Okay, so let's try to give a look to again my uh, my router to see how those uh, IP address are actually uh, displaying on uh, on a router. So when I do let's say show IPv6 interface brief. I'm trying to find out which uh, uh, interfaces and have an IPv6 address uh, assigned. A lot of them obviously will not have it, but let's go already already here. So if I look at this interface, you can see 2001, 2 colon, 470. Here we have three digits. We should have four. What that means is that there is a zero which has been uh, has been hidden. And then to colon 6e. Again, two zeros has been, uh, have been hidden. To colon 4ab, something has been hidden again. And then two colon to colon again here. That means there, there are at least two consecutive zeros, uh, sorry, quads of zeros which have been hidden. So if I take this IP address, can I actually revert it uh, into a full length? Yes, I can, because based of, on those rules, what I have to remember is that an IPv6 address has eight groups, and therefore, when I go here, I've got one group, two, three, four, and five. So now I'm going to do six, seven, eight. This will be the fully extended IP address. I add the missing zeros. One, two over here, one over here, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So this will be the original full length IPv6 address. And uh, instead, this one over here is the contracted IP address, okay? So let's try to, uh, to move forward. Uh, there are different types of uh, IPv6 addresses. You probably notice on the uh, on my router that we have several IP addresses which start with that FE80. Those IP addresses are considered link local IPv6 addresses. Those are or should not be configured uh, by you. They'll, those IP addresses are automatically assigned on a host as soon as that host has IPv6 online and the interface is configured. That IP address is used only to communicate within the local subnet. And if you remember, this is the same concept which has been used for the uh, APIPA uh, range in IPv4. Everything that started with 169.254. The rest of the IPv6 uh, address, if left by default, will be derived by the MAC address of that interface. And if that is not an Ethernet interface, is something else, uh, then uh, the software on the uh, operating system will generate a random MAC address to be used uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this operation. This technique, it's used, uh, it's called uh, AWI64. 
and we will see in the next slide how uh, it actually works. Uh, then we have global unicast addresses and those you can compare it to the public IP addresses in IPv4. Those global unicast IP addresses are identified by the three most significant bits. That means the first three bits in IP address which must be set to 0, 0, 1. What that means is that every IP address which starts with 2000 or with 2 actually, 2 colon 2 colon 3, all the way to 3 slash 3, it's going to be a global unicast IP address. That it's internet routable, reachable everywhere in uh, uh, or should be reachable uh, in the internet, can be advertised in the, uh, in the internet. Again, those IPv6 addresses needs to be registered to a, uh, or needs to be requested to the, reg uh, to the regional uh, registry. The next two types of IPv6 addresses are the unique local IP address and the solicited node multicast address. So what is the difference between those? A unique local IP address is by concept the same exact thing of the private IP addresses in IPv4. So the same idea, they are not allowed on the internet and they should only be used within a, uh, an organization. They have a specific range and they always begin with FC00 to column to column slash 7. That is by uh, RFC, by definition. In reality instead, the only range which is going to be used is FD00 to column to column slash 8. My personal experience is that unique local addresses are not bad, but not necessary to be used within an IPv6 network. We, can, we have so many global IP addresses which can be used and it allows you to save resources on things like NAT for example. So you never really need to use those unique local addresses unless uh, your customer is actually requiring you to do so for whatever uh, need they might, they might have. Uh, the final uh, type of IP address uh, that you really need to know for uh, a CCNA is the solicited node multicast address and that is uh, obviously it's a multicast IP address which is used by IPv6 in, uh, in order to identify hosts within the same, uh, the same network. Broadcast do not exist in IPv6, so forget things like ARP, for example, it's never going to, to exist. Uh, if you know something about DHCP, the first thing you do when you get a DHCP uh, IP address is to verify that that IP does not exist somewhere else in the network. That same concept is used by, uh, it's used by IPv6, but we are now going to use a multicast IP address where only hosts which have the last part uh, of that IP address identical are going to reply to. What that means is that if I have the last part of the IP address identical, that means that very likely we have the same 
the same IP addresses by default that uh, last 24 bits are taken from the interface ID. We will check in the next slide what really this interface ID is, but it's part of that MAC address uh, that, that you have. Uh, again, this IPv6 address is automatically generated by the router. You don't have to configure it and really don't even try to do that. You, there is no need whatsoever. So let's try to, uh, to see on an actual router how this looks like. So if I go on this interface, this VLAN 10, the first thing I can see right now is that this VLAN 10 has both a link local IP address, which is used in the local subnet, and I have a global unicast IP address, which is used globally. Now, because this is not a physical interface, but is a logical interface, my router generated a dummy MAC address, and by a chance, this interface has the same link local IP address of this other interface. Is that a problem? No. That IP address can exist only, only on that interface. So let's see how this is done. So if I look at my interface VLAN 10, and I just filter to see what is my MAC address, I see that my MAC address is this one over here, D0D0FDAT9E23. So let me see the IPv6 this detail about this interface. So this is a lot of output. We will only filter what we need. So what we are looking here is that this interface, VLAN 10, is IPv6 enabled, and the link local IPv6 address is this one as follows. You can see something very similar. 809E2E, sorry, 23, is exactly the same value we have here. And then over here we have D0D0FD. With a slight difference, we will explain in a second, we have again over here D2, this is where the difference is, D0FD. And then we have this in the middle. We will see later what is used, but this is just a filler to make sure that uh, a small value it's basically expanded to fill the uh, 64 bits we need for uh, for IPv6. Uh, the global unicast IP address, it's over here, is using again the same technique, which is this EUE, which we'll watch, uh, we will look at in detail in a second. And then we have a series of global, uh, sorry, of multicast IP addresses. The only one we really care about is this one over here, which is uh, which uh, I am highlighting. And you can see that FF02 to colon to colon 1, colon FF, which is exactly the value which we see over here, that FF02 to colon to colon 1, FF. The last part, 809223, you can see is exactly this MAC address, part of that MAC address, which is the interface uh, interface ID. So let's try to go then to the next uh, uh, to the next slide. So in the in, in the interest of time, 
So when we compare IPv4 and IPv6 addresses, there is no conceptual change. In IPv4, we had network part and host part. And a subnet mask was used to let us understand where the network part ended and where the host part uh, uh, started. In IPv4, slash 24, fine. That means 192.168.0 is the network, and dot 1 instead is the zero. Uh, sorry, is the host. With an IPv6 address, when we have uh, a slash 64 subnet mask, which by the by the way is the default. Uh, subnet mask for IPv6 addresses. What that means is that the first 64 bits are used for the network. And in this case, 2001 AABB CC11. Uh, everything else afterwards is the <coughs> interface identifier, which basically is the host part in your IPv6 address. And exactly like IPv4, it can be manually configured, either by static configuration or via DHCP or anything like that, or dynamically configured by uh, by using uh, EUE64 and that uh, Slack feature that IPv6 has. Uh, you will hear those two terms more than once, so try to remember them. Slack is stateless auto configuration. So how does this uh, slack, this, this uh, auto-configuration work? We said that it needs to take uh, a MAC address, right? So we take that MAC address, but we need to fill 64 bits. We are short of 16 bits. So what do we do? Well, we split uh, the MAC address in half, and now the first uh, three, three groups of the MAC address are used as the first initial part. We stick in the middle FFFE, as we said before, and then at the end, we put the rest of the MAC address. To make sure that uh, is understood that we are using a EU-generated, sorry, EUI-generated IP address, we will always take the bit number seven, and we will flip it from uh, from zero from zero to one. This is why we saw the difference before, where we actually had uh, D two instead of D zero. Again, it was due to this configuration. So let's try to look at it one uh, one more time on the router because it's really really interesting. So the MAC address is D zero D zero FD. This, uh, this is the initial part of the MAC address. We need to take it. We need to, to put it as the first, uh, <clears throat> the first bit. Then we have FFFE, which are fit in the middle just to create enough bits. And then the rest, 809E23, is uh, uh, the final part of the MAC address. Again, the bit number seven has been flipped. So instead of having D0, we have D2. So how, how did we end up with, with D2? Well, that, that's simple. If you have D0, when you translate that into, uh, into binary, you first need to get 
you know what, we, uh, it's probably too complicated, so we will do directly from the calculator. When we go from D0, this is the binary value we obtain, which is 1101000. So we said that we must flip always the bit number 7. So what we need to obtain is 1101010. So let's see how that looks like on our, uh, on our calculator. So let me clear this. So 1101010. Now you can see that in x value, this is the equivalent to D2. So this is how that D2 is actually being generated. It's an automatic flip of that seventh bit in the MAC address. Okay, this concept of auto configuration and how the host part is automatically generated by host, it's a really important topic for IPv6 and your CCNA exam. Make sure you understand it. And if you have a question about it, please feel free to do it because this is a key point in, uh, in your IPv6 study. So essentially, okay. so it will really, really help to just, also in addition to the networking theory for candidates to actually practice binary and hexadecimal um, number conversions, right? We, we've seen this a couple of times now. It's, it's important for the um, host address space. It's important for auto configuration. Um, so it's, it's not only pure networking that's essential on the uh, CCNA. It's also a bit of math. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's try to uh, wrap up with the final concept for IPv6 and, uh, and close the session then. Uh, IPv6, as we said, eliminates broadcast. And thanks God it does that because broadcasts are one of the worst things uh, that can happen in, uh, in your network. There are broadcast storms. Something like a broadcast can bring down your entire data center. This is why we configure things like rate limiting for, for broadcast to make sure that those uh, those packets, those frames, actually are limited and don't overwhelm the infrastructure. Remember that when we are talking about uh, about broadcast, we also discuss about layer two broadcast, and they are endless. They don't have a value in their in their header which tells them them when they have to die. So, thanks God, broadcasts are gone and all broadcast messages have been replaced by multicast messages. Uh, as we said, things by ARP are uh, disappeared, and this has been replaced by a protocol called neighbor discovery. Uh, neighbor discovery use, uh, uh, uses multicast uh, in order to do the same operation. Uh, that means translating a layer 3 address into the equivalent uh, layer 2 MAC address for, uh, for layer 3 forwarding, uh, for, for layer 2 forwarding. Uh, all those uh, uh, broad, sorry, multicast messages are now part of the ICMP version 6 um, 
suite, uh, suite. Uh, in particular, ICMP is not just pings and traceroute. ICMP has different types of messages which can be carried. And neighbor solicitation, neighbor advertisement, router solicitation and router advertisement are the four messages which are essential in an IPv6 uh, network to be able to establish basic, uh, basic connectivity to find out who the router in that network is, how to obtain an IP address and to make sure that there are no duplicates in, uh, in that network. Uh, we could spend an entire hour about those four messages, but what you need to take out from, from today is that all those messages are part of ICMP, uh, which basically replaces ARP, and all this stuff is now multicast. Broadcast is gone, and is gone for good. So I'm done. Uh, unless you have questions, open Q&A. Otherwise, I will give my uh, uh, my uh, the presentation rights back to the organizer. I don't have anything else to uh, to talk about. So go ahead and make questions if you have. While we're waiting for questions, um, thank you very very much for presenting today. It was a great presentation. Um, really learned a lot. No problem. So, looks like uh, the attendees are, are satisfied. Yeah. Uh, no, so, absolutely no problem for uh, for me. So, what can I say? Just keep going on uh, Vibrown Bag. Keep following the uh, the sessions. I will be presenting uh, another session uh, by the end of the month uh, about uh, the operations of the routers. So, make sure you uh, you will be attending also that one. And that's all for uh, from my side. Yep. Thank thank you very much. Thank thanks for presenting, and to everyone a nice evening, day or morning, depending on which time zone you're up. And see you all next week. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye everyone.